coming up on the show. We met in a bar. Our meeting was the first of many days that we would spend talking and fucking. My friend Caitlin from the Audio Smut podcast. And on the first night that we met, we talked about everything. And one of the things that he said was, yo, don't make movies in your head. You got to be careful about that shit. And as soon as those words left his lips, I was like, oh, my God, I've been waiting for someone to say this to me. Got it? Don't make movies in your head. I do that all the time. And if you do, you should turn those movies into a radio play, a really good one, and share it right here on YOY. That's exactly what we're going to do in just a bit. I first met Caitlin at a radio conference in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. She's the kind of girl who looks like she's flirting with you, with really everything, all the time. I recorded an interview with her back then, three years ago, about her podcast collective called Audio Smut. And I remember the first time you put that fuzzy, fuzzy thing in my face. It was like, I, <laughs> I remember because you put it so close and I was just like, wow. And now I'm back for another interview. Her work pushes these boundaries, boundaries you haven't even realized existed for you yet. Like the episode where she has sex with a tree. And, and I had a great time, you know? Something like that is easy to write off. You don't get what she's really doing here. Her latest story for Audio Smut is called Movies in Your Head. It's a breakout radio hit and a piece I can't stop revisiting and listening back to. It's a radio play slash opera. And I know that doesn't sell you at all. It's just, it's not the crappy Garrison Keeler kind. It's like a movie or something. To talk about it, Caitlin and I hung out in her room last weekend. It was a hot Brooklyn night. We were sipping old refrigerator wine out of coffee mugs and sitting next to a wonderful, wonderful fan. You're going to hear that fan throughout the episode because I thought it was so great. Or maybe because I just didn't want to turn it off. Sorry, it was a really hot night. We're going to talk about audio smut for about the first five minutes. And then we're going to hear the whole radio play again a radio play that doesn't suck. Here's Caitlin. I'm starting to become scandalized by my work. <laughs> As I get older, I guess, or like more like embedded professionally in public radio. I think that when I was on the outside of it, it was a lot easier for me to be like, whatever, I'm gonna do this crazy. I'm gonna talk about my girl parts yeah. really loud. And if it turns you on, it's gonna turn you on. Yeah. And like Well, yeah. that was even sort of the point, you know? Like the point of it was um, to honestly represent real sexuality, you know, instead of talking about talking about it, you know, like doing a talk show about sex. Like I remember when I was a kid and I, I would see that at midnight there was a show called Sex TV and I would wait until midnight to watch it and then be horribly disappointed by how boring it was. I was like, this isn't 
what is this? You know, and even like se- like the Sunday night sex show with Sue Johan or whatever her name, the the the, the doctor or whatever. Yeah, no, like Sue Johansson, I think her name. I is. have no idea. Is this okay. a Canada thing? It might be a Canada thing, but she's mad famous, and she's this older older woman who had these like weird Robaxaset dolls that she would put into sexual positions, and she was it was a call and answer sort of advice show. Like we all felt really strongly about making things that were um, that actually accessed the, the true character of the subject matter that we were trying to grapple with and that in so doing and also I just I always felt really strongly that like there aren't enough representations of sexuality in the world that are true to the to the real thing and that really sort of like unabashedly <clears throat> reveal what it is to be sexual, you know? And and to the detriment of all of our sex lives and like even our like mental health in general you know I I really did feel like it was sort of like a political thing and something that was like very important for radio for public radio for the place that we go to get information that we trust you know but the thing is that like I I also felt strongly not about doing it in a way that was like staid and like you know academic and like expertly but like really just sort of like documenting actual sexual experiences and the tree thing was sort of like it's it's representative of something that we often do on audio smut where like you want it's like well actually we don't always do this but in that particular situation i mean we we really like to try to get first person accounts like the ideal story is one where the person who had the experience is the one who's making the story and that sort of goes back to sort of things that I felt really strongly about when I was in college and like still now about what it means to edit someone else and what it means to, you know, all of the sort of like ethics and power dynamics that are involved in telling someone else's story. Well, I feel like your show has gone through an evolution similar to like how I've grown to understand sex and relationships is like, I think when I was younger, I thought sex was sexy just because it was sex. And I was like kind of obsessed with my own sexual power and discovering it. And it felt kind of amazing to learn about this tool that I could wield. Now I realize like the real power is in like being emotionally vulnerable with other people. And that's like, that's where the real stuff is. So I feel like Audio Smut has discovered that like having sex with a tree is awesome and really interesting. But talking about maybe wanting to have sex with your best friend is a whole other like level of intensity, and and that's where the real stories can be found. It isn't about the sex there. It's about like, I feel this. Do you feel this? Who am I? How do I identify? Mm-hmm, yeah, and I think that also <clears throat> your relationship to other people, and also your relationship with your own body. Like those are the two terrains that we're really sort of interested in, and then also how does society sort of script what we think we're supposed to do and what's the relationship between like so all of these like levels of sort of expectations that we are constantly navigating um, and where do they come from do they come from us do they come from the person that we're hooking up with or do they come from something bigger you know like how you were brought up or what you see in magazines and so those are like the areas that we're grappling with most of the time in the stories that we're making but also just sort of trying to get trying to access all of the delights and terrors of the private sphere. So I wanted to come to your bed next to your fan here in Brooklyn tonight to talk to you about your most recent 
Tour de Force for Audio Smut, which is this incredible radio play. And YOY listeners are going to love this. <laughs> I can't even, I like can't wait to play this for you. It's going to be one of the most interesting things you've heard in a long time. So how do you introduce this typically when you, you've performed this, you've played this for audiences here in Brooklyn. Um, this was also recently featured on the Truth Podcast. How do you, how do you set it up, Kaylin? I say, hi, I'm Caitlin. Batting her eyelashes. <laughs> this is Audio Smut, or thanks for coming, or I'm so glad you're listening to YOY. The story you're about to hear the is... The story you're about to hear... Both true is and both true... Not true. And not true. Parts of it are fiction and parts of it are real. Okay, tell me the story of your French roommate... Okay, Vincent. Pretty V is his nickname. Very handsome guy, male model, um, but had a brain. Uh, him and I had a lot of misadventures, especially with women. A statement that really became kind of famous amongst my friends, and I, I you know, solely on me for spreading it to any and everyone that I know, but um, it was, don't make movies in your head. And that statement there refers to, um, you know, many times men and women. I think many of us do it. I, you know, and I don't want to sound completely negative. I mean, I, I get it. I think it's actually enjoyable. <laughs> you know, that's why we do it. It's very enjoyable to make a, a movie. I just don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's realistic. Uh, I think it's fun. I think, and sometimes it works out. I don't want to look. I never think that it's black or white. Anything. Let me clarify for your listeners. I don't think I'm just some type of. <laughs> You know, uh, what the word would be, but I just think it's better to, you know, one thing I mentioned before is being a balance between emotion um, and, you know, uh, your mind, like, you know, your thought. This, you know, don't, you know, it's good to have feelings for someone. I can't help it. It's always been this way. I. In kindergarten, I got in trouble for asking boys to kiss me on the cheek. My first crush was when I was six years old, and I wrote about it in my diary every single day. His name was Wesley Monteith, and I still remember his phone number. It's anyway. Yeah, sometimes I want it so much that I see it everywhere. You know, I make eye contact with strangers on the street, and for a fleeting moment I wonder... Is it you? Saturday. It's late. I only have two songs on my phone, and I'm listening to them over and over again. I'm moseying down the platform. The tiny straps of my summer dress are slipping down my shoulders. The air feels good. I'm playing my favorite subway waiting game. My eyes fall on each person waiting here, scanning to see if my heart jumps, to see if there's somebody who will meet my gaze, somebody I can stand beside and contemplate talking to. There's a girl with amber hair in a pink lacy dress. She's reading. Doesn't look up. Clean-cut drunk guy. Is he looking at me? Is he 
Is he? All right, it's me. I look away. Mixed race andro girl with toque, ripped t-shirt. Nothing. Dark curly hair, beard, tight jeans, scrappy t-shirt. He looks. One, two, three. Four. He looks away. <sighs> no prospects. My phone is dead. Fuck. 45 minutes of fucking boredom. Mixed race Andrew girl looks up. I think she heard me say fuck. She meets my eyes. One, two, three, four, five. Whoa. I look away. I'm nervous. She's a few feet away, sitting on the bench. I stare straight ahead. I can tell my cheeks got flushed. She's so pretty. What if I just went over there and sat right beside? That's so obvious. What if I sat down in the seat, not right beside, but the one beside that one? I can't sit in the one beside the one because it's just as fucking obvious. I wonder what it would be like to kiss her. (sighs) Tastes like strawberries. Hey. Hey, you. Hi. Hi. (laughs) What's up? Nothing. Um, did your phone die? Yeah. I know, we're pretty much strangers, but if you feel like it, you can share my music. I mean, I don't think it's weird if you don't think it's weird. Really? Yeah, why not? Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Oh, oh my god. I love thing. this. What do you mean you love this? I was just listening to this. Shut up. I listen to this every day. I have it on my phone. I was listening to it on repeat. I mean, you can't prove it because your phone's dead, but you know that's like kind of hard to believe right now. I'm so serious. <laughs> I'm so serious. I-, I like your music. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> the conversation just stops. We're just staring at each other. It feels like a really long time. So what'd you do tonight? Well... I played a show with my band. You have a band? Yeah, we're called Dumpster Pussy. (laughs) (laughs) We start talking about dreams, love, whatever. Real shit. What's your name? Her name is Ray. My name is Caitlin. What would you name me if you had to name me? Nancy. I like it. Wait, is that your name? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> why, why Nancy? I'm just curious. I used to think it was kind of a weird old lady name, but recently I've been meeting some cool Nancys, and I think it's a strong and beautiful name for a woman. I'm into it. Cool. No, but what's your real name, actually? Oh. <laughs> it's Caitlin. Oh. Cool, Caitlin. <laughs> we take the train together. We still have the earbuds on. Do you want to pants? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> oh shit, this is my stop. Caitlin, so nice meeting um, you. Super fun. You should come over. Okay. Sure. Okay, thank God. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> we can have breakfast in the morning. What are you gonna make? 
French toast. Sunday. Then what happened? Did you guys have sex? No, we didn't have sex. We just like made out and snuggled and like talked like until the sun came up. Like we stayed up all night. Did she get your number? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She got my number. Did I tell you that she said that I was a strong and beautiful woman? Yes. Yes, she did. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. What about, did I tell you... That she wants to jam with you? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and that's great. And that's great. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm just like, like, I think we might be falling in love. Oh, my God. No. No, I'm serious. I really think we are. I don't know. I, I, I think that we might be, you know? One night. I'm still in bed. Ray left for work an hour ago. I feel like texting her. 11.53 a.m. Ray. Thank you. You are so awesome. 12.22 p.m. Caitlin, I'm still buzzing. Thank She's you. about me all day. I mean, morning. 1 p.m. Let me know if you want to do anything this week. 1.12 p.m. I want to do everything with you. 1.20 p.m. Come over. 1.45 p.m. Yes. Tuesday. 1.45 I p.m. I think you left your underpants at my house. 2 p.m. Leave yours at my house, and we can call it even. 12 a.m. Sweet dreams. 12.02 a.m. I was just thinking about you. Good night. Wednesday. 3 p.m. I wish we were in your bed with nothing to do in the morning. 3.04 p.m. Making me blush over here. 7.13 p.m. Beautiful Caitlin. Beautiful Can I come Caitlin. over now? She's been thinking about she you. Really me. I mean, Beautiful Caitlin. She's been thinking about she really I want to do everything with you. Beautiful Caitlin. I'm still She's buzzing. Hey, I want to do everything with you. Beautiful Caitlin. I'm still buzzing. Hey, I think of Nancy. Hey, I just think of like... I just finished work. We did it. Having a really good time. Me too. Keep doing that. Oh, I love that. Hmm. Do you think you're gonna live here forever? Um, I don't really know. Like, my parents, they live in Dallas, and they're pretty old. I feel like. I might have to go back and take care of them one day. Mm. Dallas. I wonder what I would do in Dallas. Do people make radio in I'd Dallas? I work there. She takes care I of people. I wonder what I would do I wonder Dallas. what kind of job I would have. Would I move to Dallas? Oh. Caitlin? Caitlin? Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> What are you going to name your kids? I don't know. I never really thought about kids. What's up? I'm hungry. Well? That's good, because breakfast is almost ready. What's for breakfast? French toast. What's so funny? Nothing. I'm just daydreaming. About what? About you. That's weird. I'm right here. (laughs) <laughs> Thursday Ray left this morning 
I'm at my desk. I drank a little too much coffee. Harry. I'm trying to write work emails. I'm glad the latest mix was too successful. I can't stop thinking about When I think of Nancy, I just think of like strong, beautiful woman. And I can't help it. <laughs> I'm still buzzing. Are you nervous? No, moms love me. out of control <laughs> it's uh, god i should just text her 11:07 a.m hey pretty girl what are you up to tonight want to meet up 12 p.m nothing put my phone back down 1 p.m nothing 2 p.m i am okay. checking my phone too much 2:22 p.m 5 p.m <gasps> oh god Mom. 7.05 p.m. I need to stop looking at Where my phone. Where is she? It's only been a day. In constant contact up until People now. get busy. She's probably working. time to send a text. Especially if you really like someone. Maybe I'll call. Maybe her phone's just, just broken or something. To make sure that she's Maybe okay. something happened. Hey, this is Ray. Not around right now, but feel free to leave. Friday. I'm done by tomorrow at five. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. Hey. Hey, girl. How are you? Ugh. I'm going crazy. Like, I'm going crazy. I haven't, I haven't. I know it's only, it's been, okay, okay. It's been a day. I know it's only been a day. I'm freaking out. Like, 1 p.m. Ugh. 2 p.m. Was that my 3 p.m. Why does everything have to sound like my phone right now? Saturday. At my desk again. Nothing. Trying to work. Back down. It's been two days Monday. since hearing from Ray. 11.05 a.m. Ray. I miss you. That's heavy. It's the truth. Why don't we try something lighter? Ray. What's up? How's your day going? Mm. This isn't... Mm. This doesn't... Oh, yeah. Um, I have to go to the bank around the corner from your house later this afternoon. Ray. I'm heading to the bank later. Ray. I'm doing some errands in your nabe later. You want to go for a stroll before or after? Doing, doing some errands in your nabe. 5 p.m. Are you around? Doing some errands in your nabe. Shoot me a text if you're around. And, uh, <laughs> well, you recognize. And so the point of that is that uh, it sometimes can be just off one occasion, off of one to four or five things that you've learned about them that you just take and run with. The movie aspect of it is you start planning 
your life with you know, this person. Oh man, we're gonna you know be together this long, we're crib together, house together. Oh, man, yeah. she's this, she's that, and that's making the movie. Is you're in post production before you even know it. <laughs> it's like you know, <laughs> end scene. You like shit's wrapped up. <laughs> it's playing in theaters by then, and uh, <laughs> before you recognize. But in reality, I don't fucking know this person. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So, how's Ray? I don't know. Really? What do you mean? I haven't heard from her at all. Nothing. Nothing? Yeah. I mean, from the last time we talked, she's never appeared? She's Nothing. gone? I feel stupid. Yeah. Did, did you guys talk about how you were feeling? Not really. Caitlin, are you okay? There are all these things that we said we were going to do. Anyway, whatever. I'm sorry. Did I make it all up? Maybe she was never into it. Oh shit, this is my stop. Caitlin, so nice meeting um, you. Super fun. You should come over. If I hadn't asked her to come over, she just would have went home. What about when she said... I want to do everything with you. I'm having a really good time. I gotta go. Wait, wait, really? Yeah. And like, I'm not ready to stop hanging out. We're having such a great time. We are having such a good time. It's true. And like tomorrow's Sunday. You make an excellent point. Yeah. What do I have to do tomorrow? Nothing. Nothing. I don't have anything Breakfast. Breakfast. Yeah. She wanted to go. We felt the same way. She would have wanted to stay. Too much. A weird old lady name. She didn't say I was a beautiful woman, she said. When I think of Nancy, I just think of like, strong, beautiful woman. It was a strong and beautiful name. We were into each other. She just isn't beautiful into it anymore. We, we were texting every hour on the hour. I It's in my phone. I, it's right here. I want Beautiful to be name for a woman. I want to do everything. What changed? Oh, I just want to call her, but I couldn't she just tell me something changed? I can't call her again. It's fucking embarrassing. At what level of closeness is it appropriate to have an emotional conversation with? At what level of closeness do you have to be with a person to be able to break up? Am I crazy? I'm fucking crazy. I'm just daydreaming. About what? About you. <laughs> it's sober, Caitlin. You should stop thinking about it now. Leave yours at my house. Good night. Monday. <laughs> Tuesday. Yeah, we're called Dumpster Pussy. Wednesday. What are you gonna name your kids? Thursday. 
of Audio Smut was a special collaboration with composer Shani Aviram. It was developed and written based on research and 17 interviews on the topic of perception in early romantic relationships. This piece was directed and produced by Caitlin Prest in collaboration with Shani Aviram. Our editors and story guides were Mitra Kaboli and Sharon Mashihi. Our associate producer is Shira Bannerman, that's me. Thanks to our staff and special helpers Jen Ng, Megan Dietry, Samara Brieger, and Anne Hepperman. Special thanks to the people interviewed for this piece, especially Allende Bennett, Armin Bazarian, and Caroline McCowan. All right, you're listening to YOY Radio. I'm Andrea Slenzi, and I'm here with my friend, Caitlin Prest. She is part of the Audio Smut Collective, an amazing group of women who tell stories about our bodies, our junk, our hearts. Our bodies, our, bodies, our hearts, and our junks. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a radio play. It started out as a documentary. We interviewed a shit ton of people, uh, all asking the question, have you ever thought you were in love with somebody and then realized that that's not what was up? And everybody has a story about that. I had met this person that I was very interested in. She spoke a French that was from the south of France, and it was just, it was just like perfect, you know? Oh my God. And okay, whatever, what the fuck is perfect? I was desperately, desperately seeking that kind of love. It's the outdoor platform, I was waiting for the G. Got upstairs and there's a few people waiting around. I asked the station operator, hey, when do you think this train's gonna come? <laughs> How much longer do we have to wait here? And I was like, holy shit, I think I just like fell in love with you. Or I don't know. Oh, you know, it's not going to come for another 45 minutes. And I was like, fuck, man. After meeting her, I had this like rebirth of appreciation and desire to consume all things French, you know? And I just started reading French every day. I made it this thing where like I met this French girl. We're going to have amazing French Armenian babies and like, <laughs> and our babies are going to speak French and, and it's going to be amazing. I tried to turn on my iPod, which had died. So that was my last bastion of entertainment. I had nothing. And I saw this boy in a hood and his hood was over his head. He was listening to an iPod. So without even really thinking twice, I walked up to him, I tapped him on the shoulder, and I said, hey, listen, we have 45 more minutes to wait for this train, and my iPod just died, so can I listen to yours with you? And he looked at me like I was crazy, and then he said, yeah, okay. We had gone out for drinks, and I didn't want those drinks to end. The train came. We were, we were still like sharing earbuds, I think. So we're just like, our faces were really close to each other. I kept trying to find it in the very little things that he would say. I kept trying to look for it in every like 
good morning message or good night message that he would send. I said, well, this is my stop. And I started getting really sad. <laughs> and he said, um, oh, uh, what should I do? And I was like, well, you can come home with me. And he was like, oh, I don't know. I don't think I should. And I was like, oh, come on, please, please. Let's like keep, let's keep hanging out. And he said, okay. When I'm infatuated with someone, I spend a lot of time fantasizing about scenarios. Like really intense fantasies. I thought about them all the time. About my future life with these people. And like, somewhere in my brain was always like thinking about him. The conversation that we have in his kitchen that I just saw when we're living there together, <laughs> you know, really like involves scenarios of us having children and what the children's names would be and what languages they would speak. I'll watch an episode of something I and mean, then I'll imagine the conversation we will have if we had been watching it together <laughs> on his couch. You know, <laughs> you know like all what that. roles her and I would have in the relationship and in the raising of these children. You know, <laughs> like he'll never be able to support me. <laughs> I would have to be like still at my Sloan Kettering job to support him and his grunge lifestyle. And I'd be like, Mikey, buy some pants. You have too many holes in your pants. And he'd be like, whatever. And then go down to the tattoo parlor on the corner and get a new tattoo. And I'd be like, that's my Mikey. I'm coming to realize that maybe I didn't have a full grasp on reality at that point. I text her being like, how was the party? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and like, like cut. No response. Nothing. And I don't know if I was more angry at him or at myself. I thought like something had happened to her. When things ended and at the way they ended. You know, every day of that week, I was just like, you know what it was? I just didn't get it. The harshness of the truth of the situation when it came out. And that was it. Making the piece was a really intense learning process for me. I mean, I, I'll never forget meeting Allende, the guy that you hear at the beginning. Um, we met in a bar. And uh, our meeting was the first, the first of many days that we would spend talking and fucking, uh, talking and having sex. <laughs> like he, we had like a long-term sort of casual sexual relationship. And on the first night that we met, we, we talked about everything. And one of the things that he said was, yo, don't make movies in your head. You gotta be careful about that shit. And as soon as those words left his lips, I was like, oh my God, I've been waiting for someone to say this to me. I like, it was, it was immediate, you know? I was like, I do that all the time. And from that moment forward, I was changed. You know, I was just like, I am constantly making movies in my head all the time. Like, and, and I, um, I started thinking about it really seriously, and then months later, the idea for this piece came up. And literally, it is a movie in your head. Like we, it's a movie in your head about the movies we make in our heads. So, and and what is a better movie in your head than listening to radio? Definitely. But I think that like 
Um, I mean, there are a lot of different layers to the making of the piece that um, that sort of obviously didn't make it in. But one of the layers is that I mean, I really, I really, really studied this phenomenon of making movies in your head. You know, like the the Allende conversation was the, sort of like a spark that lit. But I started to think about this obsessively. What are some movies you've made? Um, or friends have made? I, okay, um, let me think. Uh, I have a friend, and anytime a girl tells him where her parents live, he pictures Christmas in that place, and he can't help it. She's from Australia. He's like, Christmas in Australia. If she's from Vermont, he goes, Christmas in Vermont. He can't help it. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of things from the piece that were, like, straight up lifted from my own. Like, Shira, who is the associate producer on the piece, um, she helped me do all the interviews, and we had this running Google Doc where we would just put all of our... We were just sort of on a day-to-day basis sort of documenting all of the times that we would do this. Some of the worst ones were, oh, this is one of my favorites. She said she met this guy and he was drinking out of a reused water bottle. And she just immediately was like, gosh, he cares about the environment. He's a good person, you know, but he was just broke, you know. It had nothing to do with his inner character, but she was attracted to him, and so she made this like thing. Um, the the kids thing was mine. The like kids, like I never really don't even know if I like I don't even know if I fucking want kids, you know. I definitely don't really th- think about kids, you know. But I but I was seeing this person, and he just sort of was like uh, he had a kid. And he, was, he said, but that doesn't mean that I wouldn't want to have more kids. And immediately I was thinking about our children. And I noticed, because I was making this piece, that I would think about our children regularly. And the thing is, like, I mean, that was one of the hardest things about making this piece, was like realizing something like that about myself and being like, whoa, that is beyond. That shit is crazy. Caitlin, you are fucking insane, you know? But then having the, like, hat, like really pushing myself to sort of just be like, okay, I'm just gonna put this out there. I'm just gonna put it out there. And like realizing that of course everyone is, everyone does it, you know? Like I remember, I'll never forget the moment when I was interviewing Armin and he literally was just, he was just telling the stories. Like I met this beautiful French girl and it was amazing. And I, as soon as she spoke French, I was just like, oh my God, I think I'm in love with you and we're going to have like amazing French Armenian babies and it's going to be amazing, you know? And I was like, I'm going to learn French and we're going to travel the world. Yes. And I was like, oh my God, you think about the babies too? Like what? And I'm telling you, I don't even know if I want children. But nevertheless, I'm like, well, maybe we can. And even like, I mean, again, in that one scene where um, Ray and Caitlin are like in bed and Caitlin's like going off, you know, when someone said that was real too, some the 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 person who I based this story on, even though this experience has definitely happened to me more than once, um, you know, he was just sort of talking about like taking care of his parents in Arizona, 
And I was just anytime like, someone talks about leaving the city, yeah. I always feel like a pang of what what will become of us. I know, and it doesn't even matter. I mean, like if you're, I mean, that's the thing, is if like it's so rare. It could just be I want to live in California someday, and you're like. What? Yeah, I yeah. have to live in California now. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I and I think that like it's it's specific to like when you meet someone. Another like there another factor is like the list, the sort of unconscious list. Like I think that like a lot of us have sort of like this list of things that like if you meet someone who has all the things on the list, you're like, oh my god, like. Especially again, I mean, there's like a few layers. Like layer number one, it's like it's it's usually someone who's like desperately hoping to find love, and who has maybe been desperately hoping to find love for a very long time. So much so that when they find something that maybe almost could potentially resemble that thing that they've been dreaming about for so long, that's when you start to blur all of the details and the evidence that are not in favor of the of the idea that you've found what you've looking what you've been looking for you're just cl- clinging to the details and the compatibility that that is in favor of that vision and you're letting you're ignoring all the warning yeah we ignore all the warning signs because we don't why obsess over those yeah and i mean the thing is the like as part of the research for the piece we talked to a bunch of like social psychologists and neurologists like that was going to be a part of it when it when you know back in the day when it was going to be a documentary um one of the layers that we wanted to include was uh an actual answer to the question of why do we do this there's this woman named lucy brown her and a woman named helen fisher and a guy named art aaron did one of the first studies in the 90s on romantic love and like putting people who are in love in fMRI machines and studying their brains. And they found a lot of really, really interesting things. Uh, and and one of them, one of the many things they found was that um, when you're feeling romantic love towards someone, it's kind of common knowledge, we all know we do this, but, but they were able to scientifically prove that we pick out all of, like we, we pick out their positive attributes and completely ignore all the negative negative ones. So like Shira and her water bottle guy, you know, like you you pick on the you you you're sort of constantly sort of trying to fulfill this idea of the person as um, someone who is unconditionally desirable, and um, and that's why I think long distance relationships are so challenging is because all you're left with is that narrative. Mm-hmm. That's all you have to like then no one's going to disprove the narrative you're telling yourself if you're it's just you alone with your story. Mhm. Yeah, exactly. And I think that like I mean so th- another another one of the um science scientific facts that that emerged from all of these interviews we did with uh psychologists was um was that <clears throat> so there was this study done where they put people into fMRI machines and asked them to in- intensely visualize uh, playing tennis. And they intensely visualized playing tennis, and when they studied the brain scans, they saw that the areas of the brain that were active were the, like, were the actual areas of the brain uh, that become active when you're playing tennis. You know, and so it, it, and we talked to this other guy who studies um, the psychology of narrative. Uh, his name is Raymond Marr, and he he studies why our heart starts to beat fast when we're watching a movie, 
You know, like why are you having a physiological response to something that's not actually happening? I've always been told that our brains don't know the difference. That's it. The brain so, and that's know. why negative thoughts are so horrible. Like if you're someone or if you know someone who is always thinking about the worst case scenario, their bodies and brains are living as if it's the worst case scenario all the time. Yeah, and that's the thing. It, like so, and then another. I mean, so I learned all these scientific facts that I like ha- that really have changed the way that I think about all this stuff. Another one of them is that um, when you're in romantic love, specifically, like not like sexual desire state, but like romantic love state, you, your, like the, your brain responds the same way that it responds uh, when you're on a cocaine high. It's it's activating all of the same areas. Um, it's a like it's called the reward system of the brain, where so you're getting like this immense these immense rewards. And so if you think about it, like you're getting the equivalent of a cocaine high, and your brain doesn't know the difference between when you fantasize about something and when you're actually experiencing it. And so that's you know that's one of the reasons why when you're feeling something towards someone, you like you have an addictive response to the fantasies because you're you're actually getting the drugs when you fantasize about the person you're reliving it and you're getting the same your brain is having the same sort of like at least a glimmering of the physiological response that you would be having if you were in the situation the reason why we don't really treat this in the same way as we would treat an actual drug addiction is because there's all of this sort of like cultural reward for falling in love i mean like we're we're sort of told from from birth that love is the love is the best thing and the agony of love is the is you know is the one thing that is 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 one of the things that we wait for in life you know it's it's if you're lucky you can feel the agony of love we were fed the disney yeah yeah you know what i mean like it's sort of like it's 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 because it's the making of great stories it is the making of great stories but i also think that it's like i don't know whatever i'm i'm um, I believe in sort of like I, t- I studied cultural studies in my undergrad and so like I believe that like the media is sort of a the way that we build our society is is made in such a way to reproduce the status quo so we need a beautiful story to force us to go through the pain and agony of coexisting <laughs> you know what I mean no you don't is that too dark? I <laughs> what do you mean by the pain and agony of coexisting? Well, I mean, so let's just say that coexisting, that, that, that um, I mean, maybe not. I think that this may be changing, but, um, you know, for a very long time in human history, uh, it was necessary for survival to live in partnership and more than partnership in family units. And uh, and so the idea is that you you know like you need a beautiful like we tell we t- culturally we create stories around the hardships of life to make them more palatable to make it feel to to inspire you to continue to to undergo the suffering involved in or the challenges of you know work and and love you know like the myth of love is very strong in in our culture in north america like and in the west whatever you know like this myth of romantic love and the myth of the story of finding true love you know Wait, you believe it though you're like down I for the myth it's, it's not really a I myth it as a joke i i believe it i believe that i basically believe that nothing is true and that everything like religion science 
all the things. This is my like weirdo philosophy, okay? But I, I bring it. This okay. is listening to Why Why. Here's Caitlin's weirdo philosophy. Um, I, you know, I think that all of the information that we use to live in the world as humans is is a story, and I and I don't think that any of it is true. I think that it's all sort of I don't know. It's only relevant to humans and humans are only one animal of many animals of many beings in the you know fucking cosmos man but you want to be in love real bad all the time forever since you were a little girl no but the thing is that this like the one thing i you want like i feel like i know a couple people in my life who just like want to fall in love so bad and Mm -hmm. so much of their creative and professional work is centered around that journey right but the thing is that no the truth is that i i think that nothing is true and therefore i think that you get to choose what you believe in and it doesn't really matter you know like like there's no reality you know like it's it's a choice like you can choose to believe in science you can choose to believe in god you can choose to believe in magic which i do you know like why not you know and so true this idea of true love is like one of those things it's like you know out of all the myths that we've created for ourselves it seems like a nice one but i will say that like I am simultaneously in love with the idea of love because it seems impossible and hilarious, but I'm, I also am deeply critical of it. Like, I just am, you know? I, so I do, I do like have this, fan, like, this fantasy and like I am a hopeless romantic, but, but I have like, it's sort of tongue in cheek on the inside, you know what I mean? Like it's, do you know what I mean? That's amazing. Yeah, it's just this really interesting insight into you. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I think, but but it's also because I like to believe in the impossible, you know? Like, I really do like to believe in the impossible. Like, why am I working in radio, you know? I mean, I don't, like, because I believe, I believe that radio can be as, you know, as exciting and as as congratulated as a medium, as music, as film, as as any other art form, you know, like I, I like, and that just seems like sort of a huge hill, a big mountain to climb, but that gets me off, you know, like I like the idea of (laughs) trying to like make a radio show about sex in, in public radio. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like there's certain like mountains that seem like, I like that idea of like, yeah, like you don't make your decisions based on how practical they are. That's not how, that's not your guiding motivation here. No, yeah, and so, like, true love almost seems like the most impossible thing of all. Huh. Ah. Oh, it's so, this is amazing. Because I always think of you as, like, not in a bad way, but I think, like, I have some friends who are incredibly practical, and I think of you as one of my least practical friends in terms of how you see the world. And now I learn that you are impractical as a choice which is the most practical thing I've ever heard in my whole life. Because you're saying, in a world where I could be hyper-concerned about where truth lies, I'm going to reject that thing, and I'm going to pick the thing I just like the best. It's amazing. When did this, like, was, (laughs) this is such a cool epiphany. When, how long have you been living like this? I think that um, it was basically, like, when I moved to Montreal and was free for the first time in my life, like I, 
As a child and as a teenager, I always felt oppressed by the fact that I wasn't able to make my own mistakes. Like that pissed me off so much, you know? I, even as a 10 year old, I was just like, you guys, like, just let me get hurt, you know? Like, I just wanna do my thing. I just wanna go out here and do the things. And so something very immense happened to me when I was actually free for the first time and I was able to make my own decisions and do whatever I wanted. Um, I guess I was 19. I don't know, I was really affected by, um, I guess, like relativism and like learning about, uh, relativism was a huge thing for me, like sort of realizing that like meaning only, like you can only get meaning out of it within relationships, sort of strangely as we were talking about before and like the sex act is irrelevant. It's about the relation, you know? of the people and the feelings and the, all the stuff. And like that's where meaning emerges and that depending on where you're sitting, the world can look totally different. And, and there's no perspective that is more relevant than the other, you know? It's, so, I mean, I know that's like not a new idea. It's a very old idea. But um, I don't know, I was really affected by that. When I was a kid, I was really religious. I was really into God. I was really into like, this fairy tale, right? I really believed it. Um, and then, you know, as as Catholics often do, um, there was like a mass, a huge disillusionment where I, like when I realized that like, I also, I was just disillusioned with humanity as a whole. I sort of thought that the, we were living in world peace and that war was a thing, the weird barbaric thing of the past. And like, I had this sort of, you know, awakening where I was like oh my god like people are killing each other right now like god is not real this is terrible you know I I, I said that I was polyamorous when I was like 17 you know what I mean like because I was so critical of the the script of of love you know like I just sort of I saw I saw its failure and I saw its fakeness you know I just saw how fake and tired and 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 sad and like unmagical it seemed from that perspective and I just sort of like really believed in thinking of a new way I, I really strongly believe in the power of like manifestation you know like I believe that you can create your own reality again because of this idea that like you know we are all delusional even if everyone agrees with you you're just collectively delusional you know what I mean like like our, if our brains are going to be full of stories and those stories are going to get us high or, or suck away all of our happy hormones, why not live in a world where you believe that you can manifest? Yeah, exactly. You know, and wouldn't like, that actually manifest? Yeah. And I mean, and that's sort of like, you know, like I believe that dreams come true. I fully believe that. And, it, and but that's the thing is like because, okay, this is the heart of it. Like because you see, because as humans, we're so predisposed to see what we want to see. I mean, again, going back to this sort of like psychology of this movies in your head episode, like, you know, there's a lot, it's, it's like based in our vision, you know, like it, it's like how we perceive, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of noise in the world. There's all these like things that are moving and like, and and we, the way that we perceive things is based on what we need and based on what we think and based on what we expect. You've been listening to YOY. 
I'm Andrea Salenzi, and I've been talking with my friend, Caitlin Prest. She's from the podcast collective Audio Smut. They're amazing. Go subscribe to their podcast, and you will not run out of archives for a while. I had help this week from Aaron in Hopkins, Minnesota. Thanks, Aaron. Greg Harrison designed our artwork for the show. Thank him for our wonderful YOY tote bags. You can find his website, gregcircanow.com. Speaking of those tote bags, I'd still love to see your pics. I'm on... Ugh, it feels weird to say pics out loud. I'm sorry. Ugh, sounds like dicks. I didn't mean it. Oh, and don't worry. I'm not going to remind you to go onto iTunes and write a review for the show. I've just been nagging you about it way too much. So I know you got the message. I know you already did it. So my work here is done. That's it for the special podcast edition of The Credits This Week. Thank you for listening. 